Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? It's been a little while. <laughs> I know, I've seen a lot of movies, but we just, uh, I've been traveling, and we finally have gotten together to review three newish movies, all from this year at least. Yes, all pretty well regarded critically, but we will weigh in with our, our own thoughts on them. Um, do you want to just go ahead and get right into it with the first movie? Yes, let's hop into the multiverse. <laughs> yes. But which, which sudden, one? Yeah, exactly. Their multiverse movies are all the rage now. And the critical darling, uh, is it an A24 production? I think. Uh, Their highest grossing film now. Yeah. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, directed by uh, the Daniels, Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Uh, who also did Swiss Army Man, I think six years ago now, uh, starring Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Tzu, Ki Kui Kwan, and Jamie Lee Curtis. It is about a Chinese-American woman who owns a struggling laundromat with her husband, who is being audited by the IRS when her husband from an alternate universe makes contact with her and guides her through her alternate selves so that she may battle a powerful being that is trying to destroy all of the universes as we know it. Uh, it premiered March 11th at South by Southwest and was released wide March 25th, a Metacritic score of 82 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 95. Uh, I know you have very strong thoughts on this considering especially the sort of mass critical consensus that this was like the best movie of the year so far. So Jonathan, I'll let you start with your reaction to the movie. I wouldn't say I have a strong reaction to it. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I, the number one word I have for the movie is silly. It's too yes. silly for me. Um, I think the movie's over long. It's like two hours and 19 Yeah, basically, minutes, yeah. And I, saw, I saw actually three different running times for this movie, which was like very surprising. Um, well, it's like fits the multiverse. There's <laughs> exactly. like three different versions. It of the felt movie. like it was about two and a half hours, though. And I just, I saw, I really don't like, I had a, I, I would say I had a strong reaction to their first film, Swiss Army Man, which yeah. I really didn't like. Uh, that's a film with Daniel Radcliffe. Where he uh, plays Cliff a dead person. A farting corpse. That's that's like the one joke of the movie, and it's not funny. And this movie, I understand what it's going for, and that it's not just silliness and fantasy and crazy science fiction, but it was just too silly for me. It wasn't funny. I didn't laugh hardly at all. And I just found it, frankly, tedious after a while. And I think Michelle Yeoh, especially, but the cast in general, really grounds the film and makes it as good as it is uh, with a film that's so crazy and outlandish and so yes. uh, absurd. <laughs> but it was just too crazy and silly and absurd for me. I just couldn't get into it and i just found it too much too long all at once <laughs> i thought it took actually a pretty long time to sort of get going i think it was about like 40 minutes into it basically where we sort of start the multiverse jumping that sort of takes up the the sort of meat of the movie and i thought the beginning was very very tedious and sort of setting up their specific sort of tax issues and the, the 
sort of breaking of the sort of sinful relationship between the husband and wife. Um, and like you said, it is very, very silly. The, the jokes they take are very big swings on sort of physical humor. Um, some of it lands, some of it really, really doesn't. Um, I mean, it's hard not to think of this movie sort of being compared to the recent Marvel ones where the multiverse is such a central element to what Marvel's starting to do. Um, I haven't seen the new Doctor Strange. You have. I have seen the new Spider-Man, which you didn't. Um, and com- I don't know, compared to those, I think they nailed the sort of multiverse aspect of it. Um, and I think that's a big reason why the critical reaction was so strong because in comparison to how Marvel's handling the multiverse, this seemed like very radical. Um, but it, I mean, it was really, really long. Um, I think there's, there was like a 20 minutes in the middle that I really liked when they're at the sort of IRS thing and the husband is switching back and forth between the sort of multiverse version of himself that can fight and the one in the universe that our main characters occupy where he's just sort of a wimp that I very much enjoyed. It, that had some sort of creative fight choreography, but definitely not a 95% Rotten Tomatoes for me or an 82%. I mean, I think this was like a three out of five for me. I think that when you see the husband being very handsome, did it remind you of In the Mood for Love? Yes. <laughs> it seemed like a sort of over not rip off, but like very blatant homage. Right. Well, I think that Michelle Yeoh is the best thing in the film. Uh, she, supposedly they it was going to be Jackie Chan. Daniels, right. And he turned him down. I don't think and, that would have worked nearly as well, actually. Well, I think that she, like I said, grounds the film and Jackie Chan can be very funny and silly. And I think that he would not have been as dramatic in the film like she adds a gravitas to the silliness well with Um, the sort of relationship with the daughter and the husband specifically Um, i actually i mean i actually would say the part i like the best in the movie is the first part where it's not so crazy and silly (laughs) yeah because once it got we're just sort of like an immigrant family yeah basically and i just got really and they're just things that like the, there's the hot dog fingers and the the rocks on the ledge and <laughs> and and it's not like some of those ideas can't be funny but i read a quote that really summarizes how i feel about this movie and uh this is ao scott talking about another very strange movie uh aqua teen hunger force colon movie film for theaters uh in uh the new york times review he wrote quote the writers seem to proceed from the adolescent assumption that anything that crosses their minds is automatically funny to them sure end quote and that is one of my major criticisms of this movie it just seems like Oh, wouldn't it be funny if they had hot dog fingers or, oh, what if we had them, you know, eat chapstick and it just would go like, and it just didn't amount to anything. It was just silly. That was a huge part of it was like the very unusual things they had to do to jump from multiverse to multiverse. Right. And I just found it to be, and it's just a taste thing. I really didn't like Swiss Army Man. This film is better, but it's just too silly. And I'm someone who loves Monty Python. You know, I've seen, you know, I don't know if they would, any of them be called like comedies, but Louise Bunnell films, like the exterminating angels, you know, at least a satire, but this movie, I just think 
I think it's generational is not the right word, but um, I never grew up reading manga or watching Power Rangers or playing, reading comic books or playing video games. I think these directors probably grew up with culture like that. And I just felt at a distance from what I think uh, their aesthetics and their, their cultural touchstones are. I just felt like this. And I mean, I, I think certainly, especially with casting Michelle Yeoh, yeah. it's drawing on martial arts movies. I yeah, mean, the this Hong movie, Kong sort of martial arts movie. Right. But I just think, and it's also this, there is this kind of Tim and Eric adult swim, like dumb internet humor. Oh, definitely. He, can yeah. be funny, but you know what? Not for two hours and 19 minutes. Like Tim and Eric, <laughs> yeah. you know, how long are their episodes? I just found that this movie really outstayed its welcome and was just too, you know, over, all over the place. And that's partially about, you know, what the movie's about is being the multiverses and there's all these different things going on. Yeah. But I just felt it was too frenetic and silly and over, all over the place. Um, I, Jamie Lee I, Curtis is especially over the top in her performance. Right. Um, and I, I like to, and I admire that they commit to the performances and that they take big swings. Like I see, I would much rather see this movie than the Marvel movies with the multiverse. Yeah. Because you really feel like the filmmakers are making this truly authentic to their, you know, vision but I just don't like that vision. I, I didn't uh, relate <laughs> to it. I didn't find it funny. Um, and I also just think that um, I, it's like, I, I, I'm okay. I'm happy other people like it, but I'm just kind of surprised that I feel like- it's so critics, critically well-received. Like this is one of the greatest films ever made. No. I've heard it described it, as a masterpiece. Like, no, it, it's, <laughs> it's- I think that's going a little far. Right. I remember, I mean, this film, I mean, it's right. It's almost exactly the same length as don't look up. I remember John Waters said that like, nobody wants to laugh for three hours, you know, and not that (laughs) the movies are that long, but there is a thing to, you know, duck soup being 69 minutes and, you know, not there's there, there, this is a film that could have been improved just by being under two hours, I think. Yeah, I think there was a little too sort of trying to build up the mythology of the donut or whatever the hell it was. Um, the bagel? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that part lost me. Yeah, I do admire <laughs> that for a film that's fairly low budget, like the production design the was costumes, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really visually um, interesting film. Very economic special effects use as well. Um, right. Visually, but I don't I care. But but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, that, but I'm like, so what? It's just, you know, oh, oh, it's all over the place. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't hate the movie, and uh, yeah. I I wouldn't say I had a strong reaction to it. I just uh, well, I remember I, you initially being very confused as to why it was so universally well received. I feel like uh, a lot of other people have a really strong reaction to it, really liking the movie. Yes. And I was yeah. just like, oh, I didn't like this. It's not my thing. <laughs> Well, comparatively, I think that was strong because of like how positive everything else was coming out of it. But I've seen a bit of a blowback to it online in sort of recent weeks. Um, but, you know, you get that with everything these days. Uh, I don't think yeah. that's unique to this. Um, but, yeah, generally, I think better than most stuff that comes out. So, yeah, I think about a three out of five for me. 
Yeah, I'd give it like a two out of five. I did not like this movie. <laughs> but, um, but I'll say that even though I personally didn't like the movie, for a movie this original, yes. and for one t- giving, you know, with taking such a, such swings, and I, I, I think it's important to say for a film that has, you know, almost you know, a largely Asian cast that it's done so well at the box office. That's uh, yeah, really, really thing. well. Yeah. Yeah. So even though I personally didn't like the movie, that you're in this favor of, of it movie, existing. <laughs> I'm in favor of a movie, this original. And uh, even though I don't like the vision visionary that it did, it's doing so well at the box office. If people yeah, are actually leaving their house. Like over a hundred million at this point, last I checked. Really? Yeah. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, it is doing really, really well. Like you said, A24's biggest release ever. Um, One film that is not done well at the box office. No, had a substantially bigger budget. And also has been very, very divisive, especially when you compare audience scores to critic scores. Um, It is The Northman, directed by Robert Eggers, his third feature film after The Witch and The Lighthouse. Uh, uh, starring Alexander Skarsgård, who's also a producer, uh, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, it is about a Viking prince who seeks revenge for the murder of his father and the abduction of his mother by his treacherous uncle. Um, originally premiered March 28th, a U.S.-wide release of April 22nd, a Metacritic score of 82, a run tomato score of 89, but I've seen like audience scores are usually like a C minus or even like a D plus. The public did not respond well to this very big box office bomb. I think it had about a no, $90 well, let me, million okay. budget. Okay. Everything everywhere all at once has made domestically $57 million, which is really good, but not a hundred million. Well, I think okay. internationally, I think it is. No, it's no, it's made worldwide 67 million. Well, damn it. That's still pretty You're good. Wrong. Yeah, no, it's really good. But see, the Northman supposedly had a $90 million budget, yes. and it also has the same exact worldwide gross, $67 million. Really? Yeah, but it grossed almost exactly this. It's it's almost exactly the same domestic and international, $33 million. It's a lesson in the importance of budget. There right. was a big thing um, before this where um, Robert Eggers was sort of boosting the budget when he was giving interviews as sort of like a badge of honor that a studio would back his vision that much while the studio was like, no, 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 it costs 75 million. Yes, he did not get final cut. <laughs> yes, I saw that. He had to take off, uh, it seemed like a pretty substantive amount. I think it was like half an hour possibly. Um, so what did you think of he wanted movie? to release? I thought it was great the first time I watched it. Um, I thought it was insanely unique and actually did not pull very many punches from the sort of stuff that Vikings really would have done. And I think this very much presented itself not as like a historic depiction of Viking culture as much as like a story that the Vikings would have told. So you have supernatural elements that are taken somewhat seriously. Um, And, you know, it doesn't like go very much out of its way to sort of provide logistical things or character motivation or, it doesn't even really give a whole lot of depth to many of the characters. It's very much just sort of a straightforward revenge movie. And on that basis, I thought it was very, very good. But I sort of knew coming out of it that an average audience member would have a very difficult time getting on the wavelength of a movie like this. 
that's doesn't really give you a whole lot of reason to root for the main character. The main character is not really a good person. It, he doesn't really display values that audience members would associate with a hero or a protagonist of most movies. AKA the scene <laughs> of them attacking the village. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he participates in extremely brutal, violent, reprehensible acts. Um, part of the thing in the film is that he's like almost part animal. Yes. That he's sort of abandoned all sort of human dignity and has reduced himself to like a killing machine. That's only motive in life is revenge, basically. Um, I thought visually it was like outstanding in terms of, especially the night scenes I thought were really fantastic. In Um, night, like at night, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Showing sort of things happening at night and did a really good job at, you know, making a sort of mystical sort of look to everything that's sort of happening. But I can very much understand why if someone doesn't sort of commit to the world that's being presented in this movie that you really wouldn't respond to it at all. And I can understand people even like laughing at parts of this movie because of just sort of how outrageous my mom, my mom, doing are. <laughs> my mom and cousin went to see it. And my mom said my cousin laughed out loud a few times in the movie because she thought it was so ridiculous and over the top. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, okay. I, I really like the witch in the lighthouse. And I think this is yes. the less it's the, his weakest film of the three of his trilogy of historic slightly supernatural well he said that he never ever will make a film set in the present day he's like I, really like, he, he's he, just not he, interested yeah i don't understand that like he he, he acted like he would rather you know well, he's been extremely unique in just how sort of seriously he depicts the folklore of the time depicted right but see i think that's one of the issues i have with the film i think it's yeah. visually stunning i think that it's fun in uh Conan the Barbarian kind of what well art house fun yeah maybe I should say like that's why the average moviegoer it the score is so low because it's a revenge film but it's like an art house revenge film and uh I can understand the Fast and Furious crowd thinking it's slow and not fulfilling (laughs) but um and I'll say the performance, I think this is the best thing that Cole Kidman's done in years. She's so yeah. good in the film. She should get nominated for supporting actress. And I think she's one of our best living actresses because she'll do Oscar stuff like Bonchelle and being the Ricardos, but she will work and she is attracted to working with hardcore auteurs like Stanley Kubrick and Yorgos Lanthimos and Lars von Trier and Jonathan Glazer, and I really admire that she will go and do like real acting and like art house movies. And I think she's killer in this movie. (laughs) And I think that Alexander Skarsgård, you know, in a weird way, like Michelle Yeoh is very, very committed. I mean, it's such a physical physical performance. performance, Yeah. Right. (laughs) And he uh, is really, it's like someone said, it's so unfair that he's so incredibly handsome and he's also like a really funny and charming guy and a, and a good actor. He's like all those things. Um, It's almost unfair, but (laughs) um, I guess my main problem with the movie is that Eggers seems almost like anal about being so historically accurate. Yes. And I, and I think that's okay, but 
I think that this film is kind of silly, not in the same, nearly in the same way as everything everywhere, but the move, you know, it's like when you have two guys naked fighting in front of an erupting <laughs> volcano and he is like, oh, but the, you know, the pelts that they're wearing have to be a hundred percent accurate. It's like, you know, I think that the wanting to be so historically accurate and authentic, but then having a revenge thriller, like genre movie that is kind of like B movie and trashy, yeah. but he treats it a little too seriously. Like it's like a historical over. document. Right. And it's like you have two guys fighting naked in front of an erupting volcano. Yeah. Uh, and I wish that, see, the lighthouse is funny. The lighthouse is funny. And Very it knows darkly it's funny. funny. Yeah. I know. And I think that the problem I have with the Northmen, and it's not like I said, I generally, I'd give it like three and a half out of five. Yeah. But I do think it's his weakest of the three. I think that the film, it's almost in a weird way. I feel the same way. Um, and I like, I like this film even less though. The Revenant mm-hmm. visually, you know, like the cinematography, there's long takes. It's like, it's just, it's, a vi- it's so visually stunning and it's like a real cinematic achievement. Um, but The Revenant at its heart is like a grisly, 90 minute B movie revenge film. Yeah. And it treats itself like, like it's like know, tree of life. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I feel like the Northman it's, I think that he should have leaned into, and I don't even know if this is the right word, not that it's, that it should have been more campy, but he yeah. should have just, he should have leaned in and reveled in like, this is a little bit silly and a little bit, <laughs> you know, ridiculous. And I feel like he's too poker faced. And the thing is, I don't think that it would make it insincere. Like, I think a really good example of a movie in a weird way that it also reminded me of that is better than this. Um, Do you ever see Mandy with Nicolas Cage? No. That's a really crazy Nicolas Cage movie. That's like, you know, he's snorting cocaine off a shard of glass. He's fighting a guy with like a four foot long chainsaw. Uh, it's like ridiculous and it's over the top. And, but it's, it's sincere though. And it's yeah. actually dramatically fulfilling. And Nicolas Cage honestly gives one of his best performances in recent years. But so that film, Mandy managed to be like WTF and like, awesome Nicolas Cage crazy movie but also being like a sincerely good drama that has like dramatic weight and I feel like the Northman acts like it's this like serious historical drama with sweep but it didn't like Eggers didn't quite realize that he was making kind of a silly Viking movie too well it's I think it's a great example of just sort of how far audiences can go to identify with stuff they see on screen because like Viking behavior is so outside the sort of realm of normality. I mean, like when guys are like literally, you know, howling at the moon, like that's not something people are used to seeing. (laughs) And I feel, I feel like one of the weaknesses of the movie is that, and perhaps it's part of the problem with him not get, getting final cut is I feel like there's not enough at the beginning to like make us really root for Alexander Skarsgård's lead character. It's yeah. like, you know, this isn't really a spoiler alert because it's the very first part of the movie, but his father played by Ethan Hawke gets murdered when he's a child. Yeah. 
And I feel like that then happens you just so 20 years. I know. And it's like, there's movies. It's like, if he's going to go on this hellish, you know, journey through, you know, land, you know, land and sea, uh, you know, in mur- murder village, it's like you, you should really feel like your blood, le- you know, your bloodthirsty like him. And I was like, oh, it's bad his dad died, but I you know, really feel like, oh my no, gosh. Yeah. And like I mean, in, Man- in Mandy, like you're like, you know, f- you know, kill that guy with a chainsaw. Like you're really, you know, they kidnap his wife in that movie. You really feel motivated to follow Cage's character. Uh, I like I, I just it's in the trailer in Mandy. <laughs> there's a part where a character asks him, you know, what are you fighting? And Cage goes, crazy evil. And he's, it's just so cool. I mean, they're different movies, but um, no, but I think you're right. This one could have taken a note out of it. And, you know, he's so concerned with like the details on like the woodwork and the different like houses they're in and the, how the cloth needs to look just so to be exactly like the Vikings would have worn it um, and is so concerned with making it historically accurate that I don't think he really, it's sort of the opposite of the movie we're going to review next Top Gun Maverick. And that that's like really knows what its audience wants. This movie has no idea what its audience wants. Um, which... Well, I also see like the witch is like pretty much devoid of humor, but and it's so historically, you know, it, like you really feel and like that was even a much, much smaller movie, like super right. low budget. Right. But I think that mo- I think that The Witch is like by far the best thing he's done so far, even though ironically, he said in interviews that it's hard for him to watch that movie because it's his first feature. Yeah. But I think it's his best movie. But that movie well, that was such is- an achievement of making the audience feel like they were watching a different time. Right. It, 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 even though it's like, obviously, there's like witches and there's supernatural stuff going on. You really feel like a, a large percentage of that movie, you felt like you traveled back in time and were looking at real people in that, you know, it just the the the, the dialect, the costumes, the production design, like it, it felt so authentic, but it was so low key. And like the Northman is like this sweeping epic film. It's so much like, bigger raids and you know violence and but it just it it doesn't it doesn't marry the historical accuracy and like we got to get every detail right with like you know this sweeping you know viking yarn like it doesn't completely but i still enjoyed the movie i just was kind of a little bit robert eggers has set very high expectations for his work right and I think that I think this uh, fell slightly below them. Right. I, I enjoyed the movie, but uh, it's also we were talking before we recorded about how uh, like levels of like what's weird and what's violent is different mm-hmm. for most people. Like this movie has some pretty strong violence in it, but like it could have been even more violent for me. Like, the, oh, yeah, it's uh, let's say there's long stretches where there's not violence. Yes, but I mean, there's still some very shocking stuff that happens. Right. Um, let's let's say that it's not wall to wall violent, but when there is violence, it's pretty gnarly and graphic. And it's so outside of what we're used to seeing, like right. you know, human sacrifices and murder of innocents and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Right. So what would your rating out of five stars? be? I think it's like a three and a half. 
I think yeah, it's it's, it's by far the best Viking thing I've ever seen because there isn't a ton of Viking content out there. I there's will say the TV show. There's the have Kirk you seen Douglas the, movie? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you 50s. ever see? Do you ever see the Nicholas Winding Refn film Valhalla Rising starring yes. Matt Nicholson? Yes. I like that movie. That's very art. That's very very art, art house. Very. But I, like, <laughs> but I liked it though. Yes. Very slow. Yes. But, but um, I, this one is definitely more of a crowd pleaser than that one. Um, yeah. But I think the Vikings are just so crazy and outside of what we're used to seeing, and it's so hard for us to identify with their behavior that it I, I think it was just never going to be like well that's part of my thing i was saying is that uh it's trying to be so historically accurate yeah. and realistic but it's also trying to tell what's essentially <laughs> like this b-movie revenge yarn yeah it's like just give me something for alexander sarsgaard to make me <laughs> sympathetic to him yeah and this is another weird comparison but like I thought it was a lot like 300 in terms of just how seriously it takes the worldview of the group it's depicting where it does not shy away from behavior that is totally like disgusting to. But 300 is a pretty crap movie. Yes. But just the way sort of it like shows Spartan behavior, you know, like if like a baby is born with the defect, you kill it. And that's great. <laughs> just that sort of stuff. It like totally accepts the Spartan way of seeing the world as like, you know, you know, you put your kid out there and if he dies, he dies. If he comes back, that's awesome. And that's just how it is. I think the... it doesn't ask modern audiences to like, you know, it is like a fascist movie and it shows a fascist worldview. And it doesn't really, you know, and it sort of makes the audience come to this group on its terms and not the way a 21st century person would see the world or would want to see the world but it was better than 300 because yeah. 300 um, is terrible yeah i was just <laughs> i think even though it would lose some of its scope and grandeur i think the northman might have been better if it had like half the budget and he got final cut i think that's 100 percent right um because you can sort of see where the budget went and i don't think it necessarily needed those things to be a successful movie so i would have liked to have seen his final cut right it's also like there when a studio spends 90 million on something you can understand why they would want to right i I mean i do think that there's also this thing of like i said it's so trying to be historically accurate and realistic it's like if you went back to that time but then it has like it feels almost random like it has these like game of thrones fantasy moments that feel somewhat out of place and i know you said and i agree that it's maybe not so much supposed to be a accurate representation of Viking times, but more like a mixture of that with a telling of a story. A Viking uh, story. Yeah. yeah. But it's just some some of it, like when he fights a, you know, a corpse. A skeleton. Just, I know. It just, <laughs> it, it's like, it will have that. And then there'll be like, you know, 25 minutes where it's, there's not any of that. And it just yeah. felt like why is it why are we having a little bit of it right here it was a little one foot dip the toe in the water of totally going out there without fully committing yeah it's just like it's like the not that the movies well it's trying to be realistic but then it has these fantasy moments and uh yeah i i i wish like like at the end i mean 
spoiler you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear it but he's like literally carried by a valkyrie to valhalla right and, and it, on the terms of the movie we're supposed to sort of accept this is something that happens who looks like he has braces i think yes yeah. <laughs> it's weird but yeah. like according to the logic of the movie this is something that happens so if yeah. you're not like if you think that's crazy or ridiculous there's no way you're gonna like buy into the movie um yeah. But like you said, it doesn't really do quite enough maybe to make the average audience member commit to seeing something like that. Um, while or also just committing it. to or just committing to its vision and like wanting to be like for us, like a hardcore art house movie. Yeah. It's yeah. yes, it's got like a, a foot in each sort of side. It's, it's half trying of it's to, Conan the Barbarian, the other half right. is the witch. It's like it's trying to appeal to an audience that's just not going to come to this movie, probably. Yes. And they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. So, yeah. But I give it three and a half out of five. I definitely recommend seeing it on a big screen. Yes. And I, but and I do think Nicole Kidman's great in it. Yes. But what its success makes it very unlikely that a studio in the future will make a movie like this again, probably, <laughs> unfortunately, which is not the same as the next movie we're going to talk about, which has been a massive massive success in its first five days of release so far i think it's basically up to like 200 million at this point um it is top gun maverick uh coming 36 years after the original top gun uh directed by joseph kosinski who has also done tron legacy and previously directed tom cruise in oblivion um starring tom cruise miles teller Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, Glenn Powell, Ed Harris, and then a bunch of people who I'd never seen before. Um, it is about Pete Maverick Mitchell, uh, years after the events of the original Top Gun, is still a test pilot, whereas all his contemporaries have become admirals or captains or whatever. Well, not captains, that's what he is. Uh, he returns to the Top Gun school in San Diego to instruct the next generation of naval aviators in preparation for a dangerous mission involving an unnamed country. Uh, It premiered April 28th at CinemaCon and then had a second sort of premiere at the Cannes Film Festival a few weeks ago where it got uh, like a 10-minute standing ovation. was released wide in the U.S. uh, last week, May 27th, a Metacritic score of 78, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 96. This is a movie most people of our generation would have seen growing up but you didn't see the original that is top gun until what was it two weeks ago right so (laughs) um yeah i hated the original movie and i really liked the sequel which i saw just earlier today in imax so i had no attachment to the original film i saw it uh on blu-ray widescreen tv surround sound set and watched it like I was supposed to uh, phone on silent and I was just totally bored by it I was unengaged I was uninterested I found it to be a really dumb 80s movie I found the flying scenes just really uh, repetitive and they weren't exciting I felt like Tom Cruise who I I like Tom Cruise but I found his character his performance just like I said, uninteresting. I just like nothing about the movie excited me or grabbed me. I just sat there and kind of was bored and just totally detached from it. And but the new one got such good reviews. I'm like, oh, I'll go see that. And it's funny. 
the new movie makes me nostalgic for a movie that I saw for the first time two weeks ago and hated. And I, it's a really fun time and it's rousing and crowd pleasing. It's really a movie. I mean, we say this about every single movie we ever review, but <laughs> if you're going to see a, if you're going to see a movie in IMAX, you this really is the one, to, right? Yeah. The sound, the images, and the aerial also, flight sequences are unbelievable. It's one of those where the like it some of it was filmed in IMAX and the screen fills up all the way. Yes. Um, and I think that the crowd, I mean, I I mean it's literally crowd pleasing because I was hearing <laughs> cheering and gasps and uh laughs, and I'm sure there were even some grown-ass men crying by the yes. end of it. Um but I yeah, I I mean Tom Cruise, uh it should be noted that this movie has been in the can for like three yes. years. Yeah. Uh, but Tom Cruise is going to be 60 in a few weeks. And there is a debate about whether he is the last big giant movie star. I mean, I, I was talking with my friend afterwards. I mean, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are still movie stars. I mean, he's not. Well, both last. also like Tom Cruise are producers who, you know, use their influence to get movies made and stuff like that. Um, right which is, but what the, is one of the things that takes like a actor to you know a next level like a warren Beatty, clint eastwood type figure when you're getting right. movies made which you know those three guys are on a different sort of level than most people and clint eastwood today we're recording turn 92 so they're <laughs> definitely a different generation <laughs> well, <than yeah>. warren <laughs> Beatty. but um yeah I, I i thoroughly enjoyed this movie i think that i think um it's a not as much as everything everywhere, but I think it gets a little overextended in the climax. It maybe goes on a little bit too long, but it's still yes. really thrilling. And um, I do think you can read into the film this kind of meta commentary about Tom Cruise as an action movie star, a big giant movie star. And even though, like I said, this movie was filmed before the pandemic in a weird way you can read it as like he's coming back to save movies and movie theaters like people mm -hmm. are coming back people forgot how to do it the old way and it's Tom I mean, Cruise it, remembers <laughs> even if you don't think of it being like connected to Cruise as an action movie star I mean the film very much is about you know returning to the past and yes. you know remember you know you know well I mean the opening credits are like literally a shot for shot remake of the opening credits of the first movie right and including that awful danger zone song. <laughs> yeah yeah but and, uh, the like the corniness of the first one is such an important part of why people like it um but the thing is i said about this one uh before we started recording is that i actually felt emotionally invested in the characters in this film and i cared absolutely nothing yeah. about the characters in the first film yes and, and um, there's it's much like higher level acting. I mean, it's the first movie is like literally like a propaganda movie uh, for the Navy. This one is more of like a, a real movie with story and like emotional investment and characters doing believable things. And so, so in a lot right. of ways, it's much more of a real movie than the original Top Gun, which is basically just a two hour commercial for wouldn't being in the Navy be sick. And the new movie is a very also. much, but, but it's, it's a big Hollywood movie that's, you know, very accessible and makes the audience happy, but it does it so well. Yes. And it's also like 
unlike most modern movies, which were, you know, filmed on a green screen, I think Disney now has like this 4K green screen thing that they shoot all their Star Wars movies on. This is a very like physical material movie, like textured. And a lot of it was shot inside of real planes. And you really, really feel that when you're watching it. Like you can, it's a movie you can really like feel, especially when you see it in IMAX and it's like so loud. Um, It has, yeah, it's visceral. It's grounded in a way a lot of modern movies aren't. It's ironic that a movie that has so much of people flying in the sky, it's very grounded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that doesn't, I mean, when most movies we see take place literally like space and involve different alien species and stuff like that. And what we're seeing with Marvel and Star Wars, like this, it it is earthbound, which is really saying something because so many movies are looking beyond Earth these days. Um, in franchises uh it, it was very very nice to see something that was that was earthbound right and i think that the movie it only existed in one universe right and i <laughs> and i like the fact that the movie it, it calls back the original but it does it, and and, yes. and and in a satisfying way but it isn't just like a beat for beat the same no movie. not in the same way that the force awakens was with the first star wars which was like basically a remake i mean this borderlines on it some parts like there's an emotional death sort of two-thirds of the way through just like there is in the first one and there's a final mission where you fight against an asian unnamed foe um but it and you know there's a part where they're on the beach shirtless right so it hits all the familiar things but that's really what you want from like a sequel uh, you right. wanted to s- indulge on in the things that people like about the first one while but I think it, improving on it. Yeah, like, I think it does it better. Yeah. Um, I also think that putting my film professor cap on, one thing I think the film is about, you could say a theme in the movie, is communication or miscommunication. There's numerous scenes in the film where people are unable to talk. Yes. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but a uh, character from the first film uh, is in this movie and uh he or she is not able to talk easily and uh right before the climactic uh mission uh miles teller's character is trying to talk to maverick and the sound of the uh airplanes is so loud they can't talk so there's there's this idea about people sometimes not being able to communicate and yet they ultimately come together and they're able to be successful. Yes. Um, so I think that uh, there, you know, and there are scenes where there are people, you know, looking in on and you can't hear what people are saying. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm right. There's a lot of things like that. In the no, movie, there so definitely is. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, when they're up I mean, it's the also air, obviously they're... about, you know, humans being phased out by drones and, you know, what a computer can do, why use a person, stuff like right. that. And when they're in the air, you know, they're obviously having to communicate with each other. Yes. Uh, I, I say this is a very basic thing, but I think one of the reasons that the uh, dogfights or the aerial, you know, when they're in the air, that it's so much more effective than, than the original movie is that the, uh, the, the it's clear. And in the original, it was just, uh, you know, they were in this black box and you couldn't yeah. see the outside. And this one, like when they're sitting in their airplane, you can, yeah, the cockpit, like you can see like the giant. You see the land rushing by behind them and the clouds. Right. Rushing by. Right. And we were saying that there's films we saw 
and kind of referenced in this, the first shot of Tom Cruise in the film coming out of a doorway where it's dark on both sides and it's light outside of like the searchers. And I think that his first uh, mission he goes on when he's not supposed to with Ed Harris you said it's kind of like the right stuff yes. partially because it has Ed Harris, but also <laughs> the test like, pilot aspect of it and breaking Mach one. And right. there's a scene at the beginning of the right stuff where the guy's flying through the air and there's an explosion and you don't know whether or not he made it. And also it's like 2001, a space odyssey. Cause it's almost like he's, he, you know, he's trying to break this record and the ship is just like, and it's like almost like the trippy part, the Stargate yes. sequence of his body can't take it. <laughs> and then also, I think that it's certainly very much like Star Wars, where they have a mission and they have to go around, go pew, 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 yes. you know, and they got to hit a certain little target. And then uh, there's people that are going to fly after them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying this is any, like it's a, a bad thing. It's just like I feel like it's a it's a it's a it's a movie that people who like i can imagine there's a lot of people that have gone to see this movie that this is the first movie they've been to in over two years oh 100 yeah and uh, i think that of someone i mean i think it would uh, it would help a lot your enjoyment of the movie to have seen the original but um it's also it's like a movie that you can catch these references to other movies or it makes you think of other movies but it's also just a super accessible movie that yes. like the average moviegoer could go see and enjoy yeah and has some you know really winning performances by young actors glenn right. powell was a standout uh from where have i seen him before he's in everybody wants some he's one of the baseball players oh, the richard linklater film yeah he was also in i think hidden figures right yes he's one of those actors that is generically handsome yeah he's just a handsome him. white guy <laughs> right and um there's uh it's funny, we were talking before too about how, okay, so this was filmed a few years ago, but Cruise will be 60 in a few weeks. Yes. And that, um, is he going to keep doing these action movies until he kills himself doing it? Or <laughs> is he going to do what I think would be like the uh, Paul Newman doing like the verdict? Color but of see, money type thing. Yeah, but see, Paul Newman was younger doing the verdict than Tom Cruise is now, or even when he shot this movie, like Paul Newman was like, like the whole thing of their verdict was like, look how old Paul Newman looks. I know, it's funny. <laughs> it's like someone pointed out that uh, Brad Pitt and once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, him shirtless taking, uh -huh. you know, on the roof, he was the same age as Wilford Brimley was in cocoon, <laughs> you know, cause old people, you know, people age differently now. Oh Yeah. Especially you know. Hollywood stars. Yeah, it's like I mean, you, yeah. one thing that I mean is Jennifer Connelly was is much closer to Tom Cruise in age than basically all of his love interests have been since like Vanilla Sky, basically. <laughs> right. I mean, in uh, I think that you know, there's we were talking about you know like Tom Cruise is like a really interesting case study in like the movie star because he's like he's not the last movie star the only movie star anymore but yeah. i think that if you think about someone like the rock or matt damon yeah <laughs> i don't think so much yes they attract you know those names attract people to the box office but i think it's more so people go to see a fast and furious film people go to a born movie yeah 
people go to see Tom Cruise to see Tom Cruise. I mean, yeah, yeah there's like things like Mission Impossible and Top Gun, but it's I think that more than anyone else today, people just for the star want to see a Tom Cruise film. Whereas, like I said, I think that their other actor, it's like people aren't so much like, oh, I'm seeing a Robert Downey Jr. They're going to see Iron Man. Well, that's the thing about him is that he literally, he isn't in any movies that aren't Iron Man movies. I know. And he even <laughs> snotted, he had this snotty thing where he's like, you know, after doing so many independent movies for years, he's like, yeah, I don't, I only want to do big budget movies where I get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, he's but doing. No, I, and I think this is the biggest, opening weekend gross tom cruise has ever had so i mean he's it he's broke the memorial he, day uh yeah weekend. so this is like literally as big as he's ever been right and, and it's, he's been uh, a movie star for 40 years now basically yeah and the movie uh has grossed 300 million dollars worldwide that's insane yeah and, and um, i think this is gonna have a lot more legs than something like dr strange would where it's like a massive massive drop off from first weekend to second weekend i think this is going to stay pretty strong right for a long time because there aren't actually a lot of big budget movies coming out until like mid july maybe i think there might be some franchise stuff coming out soon but there's not a new one coming out this weekend yeah so i mean it's probably going to be number one again so i mean this might be like a a massive 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 movie and i think it deserves that it could gross a billion worldwide even. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could. What's the domestic record gross? Is it like 800 million or something like that? I think it could get close. To well, an interesting like that. question is this movie seems so American and not in a bad way, but I wonder um, why it's done so well internationally too. Is like Tom Cruise is a giant movie star all around the world, but it seems so American. But, you know but for saying? as much as people outside of the u.s say they hate america there's also a lot of people who like just love american shit like mcdonald's and, and top guns so right this is like unfiltered hollywood blockbuster american movie i mean it but i don't think it's like, like that i mean that's why yeah. it premiered a can because you know the french film industry likes big american movies i mean that was it, like a thing about the french new wave that they like hollywood movies but I, yeah, but, but I also don't think the movie is like obnoxiously jingoistic either. No, and and it you know it doesn't include any specific nation as its bad guy, so it's not like you know look how bad Russia or China or North Korea is. It's and it's the the final mission is sort of funny because it's like not actually like a threat to us. They never say where the country is. They never say who they're fighting against. It's almost like in Spaceballs, it's dark helmets <laughs> the enemy. Yeah, you know, basically. All but the you, you don't really care because you just want to see, you know, dog fights and aerial photography and stuff like that. Now, do we want to make a comment about why are none of the female characters from the original film brought back? And who is gender like why is why why don't they have uh charlie from the original film mm-hmm. uh you know it's like they they have meg ryan briefly in flashback footage um yeah i mean you wish you wish they would have at least like acknowledged uh that that character existed or like you know what's she doing now or he could have at least said something like you know i had relationship for the next instructor before <laughs> or something um right. but that's you know it, i didn't really mind um it, and it's I think almost, Jennifer Connelly is like works pretty well in what is kind of a thankless role. Um, right. 
but you know she manages to still be charismatic and you know tries to make rounded what is a pretty two-dimensional character um right it's sort of a shoehorned in romantic plot but i didn't hate it and you know i think that's it's certainly not as much of um a romantic film is the first one. I think the first one has more romance in it. And I don't think it's very successful. The original one, the romantic <laughs> stuff. It's got some bizarre sex scenes. Um, the, the sex scene in this one is very much like a 50 plus where basically most of it is like them talking. Well, they're not even bed. pumping at all. They're just <laughs> no. like, there's just like, uh, Arresting flares while they're shirtless, <laughs> like he's yeah. shirtless, and right? then they and then they talk and they're smiling and enjoying each other's company. I um, did in my I, I knew I'm I'm sure they would they were going to do this, but I did like seeing uh, in memory of Tony Scott over the end credits. Yes, who directed the first one? Right. Um, I um yeah. So I, I so out I, of the three reviewed, this is your favorite one, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, if you had told me. Before seeing any of these movies, that the Robert Eggers Viking film starring those actors and the Top Gun sequel, especially if you directed edited, by the guy who did Tron Legacy. Yeah, I did, even though he didn't he do the Firefighter movie that has Jennifer Only Connelly? the Brave. That's a good movie, though. With all, also as Miles Teller, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good movie. That's like, that's, that's a, um, that's you could put in the category this one and that one of um that would make uh dudes ugly cry (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and i definitely saw like you know 50 plus year old dudes sort of acting like children oh the way yeah this 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 is a um not an old man movie but like a you you want your dad's gonna see this movie would want to see this movie yeah definitely yeah, but but you know it also works for it works basically for like all audiences, all ages. I mean, I heard a really young like a kid, you know, talking during the movie, and I and saw at least it was like a four or five year old. It was like a really small kid. Well, it's weird. Like, is is the movie PG thirteen? Because it's not even like there's. I guess it's because of the language, but it's not really. It's not violent at well, all. Well, that's the thing about like the plane things is you see a plane get shot, but it's not like you actually see a person right. explode or yeah. If it if if they had cut out a few curse words, it probably could have rated. P- I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's just so intense they felt like they couldn't rate it PG. But um, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I uh, definitely recommend seeing it in IMAX. I bet it will play like a month in IMAX. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be out for a while. I mean, this is. It's the movie of the summer, basically. I think it's safe to say that already. I don't. I don't see anything. I was going to say it's impact. interesting. I saw some critics say that this is perhaps the best uh, big budget Hollywood action sequel since Mad Max Fury Road. And both of those films are sequels to films. Came out in the 80s. The original came out exactly 36 years earlier. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, of course, there was, you know, there were more Mad Max movies. 2015. Yeah. And then uh, 86 to... 2022. 2022 yeah like i said there's there were more mad max movies but from the yeah. first one to the the most recent um yeah <laughs> maybe it, it, maybe we should stop having sequels two years after the original and start doing it 30 well usually well i don't know there's not that many that are that far you know <laughs> you know like i i don't know i i didn't like the hustler and the color of money is the see yeah, I that's think that's not even 
that good. It's not even that long, but I think that was like what, like 20 years, basically 23 years, something like that. I think that um, they need to uh, just stop doing so many sequels, but if you're going to do it, you know, this is, this is a good example of one. And I also think there's certainly an example of a sequel is better than the original. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Top Gun Maverick. Great. I think, I, yeah, I think even people that like have a fondness and like legitimately like the first film, I think it's hard to argue that like the new one isn't, isn't better. It's like, yeah. it, it is like objectively a better film. No, the only reason someone would like personally like the old one more is because of nostalgia or seeing it at a, at a young age and it having a special sort of place for them. Because in every way, the new one is better. Yes. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm sure if one if there's one movie, audience people who listen to this will see it, will be Top Gun Maverick. Um, I know the Northman is available on pay-per-view now. I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is still in theaters. Yeah, it's still playing in a lot of multiplexes. Yeah, but we'll probably be on demand soon. Uh, Top Gun Maverick's going to be in theaters for a long time, so... Go see it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, Thank you for listening. We will be back with you guys next time.